Welcome to the Cup of Nurses podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to the podcast with your hosts, Matt Slurchig and Peter Fendero. Peter, how are you doing on this beautiful day? I'm doing great. Weather's nice. Love it. Nice and sunny in Chicago. All right, so what's the topic we're going to discuss today? Today, we're going to talk about blood pressure, give you some tips to lower it, what blood pressure is, the stages, just a little rundown for you guys. Cool. So one cool fact about the heart that it beats 100 times a day. Or 35 million a year. Exactly. That's mind-blowing. Um, with all that, like the only thing that sucks about the heart, unfortunately, is the cells don't reproduce, right? Exactly. So like, what's the difference between heart muscles and let's just say the regular skeletal muscles. So your heart is composed of some we call cardiac muscle cells and then your muscles in your body, they're, they're skeletal muscles, muscle cells. So the ones in your in like your, your biceps or your triceps, they grow, they reproduce and they, they stretch. Ideally, you, you want them to do that because they look better. But when you hurt your bicep or your tricep, those cells reproduce so you can grow new cells. Unfortunately, heart does not do that. So your, the heart that you have now is the heart you're stuck with forever. Yeah, that's why it's really important to take care of it, for example, um, with anything. If you get like a heart attack or something, those cells, once they die because of the lack of oxygen, they don't come back. Yep. So we have one heart, we have those cells, whatever the amount is there, let's just cherish them. So let's jump into the blood pressure. Um, we could probably discuss the way like things flow. So okay. everything starts from like that left side, right? Uh, for those that don't know... Um, you have four chambers, right? Everything starts from the right vent, uh, right atrium, goes on to the right ventricle tr- through the tricuspid valve. And I also have this mnemonic. It's always you got to try it before you buy it. So it's always tricuspid first before the mitral valve. Um, after that, it goes into the pulmonary artery through the pulmonic valve, right? Yeah. Pulmonary vein, and it goes to your left side, uh, left atrium, left ventricle. And then eventually that pressure pushes it, pushes the aortic valve open and your blood goes through the rest of your body and your organs through that. Exactly. So what is um, a good blood pressure for those that don't know anything so about it? Ideally, you want it 120 over 80. That's the standard currently. Before it was 120 over 80. Now they want it on a below. Uh, once you go above that, you get into prehypertensive or, or now it's hypertensive. And then you go into the stages of, of hypertension. But ideally, you want the above number, the systolic, it's 120. And that's the pressure their heart exerts to open the aortic valve. So that's the pressure your heart is delivering to your body. And then the bottom number is diastolic. It's right. supposed to be less than 80, and that's when your heart's relaxed, when, it's, when the blood is getting going into the chambers. Right. So, yeah, that's um, – and everything is measured in milligrams of mercury, for right. those that don't know. And, yeah, just like you said, I think in 2017 of November, the guidelines from the American Heart Association switched it. So anything above 130 systolic it used to be like a prehypertension – and stage one used to be like above 140, right? And now everything changed. And if your blood pressure is above the 120s now, systolic, you are at risk of being prehypertensive, being having high blood pressure, and you should do different lifestyle modifications in order to change that, which is crazy because I think I checked my blood pressure yesterday. And it was like 131. Um, I was kind of running around, so maybe I definitely should work on that. Maybe get some coffee. But today's standards, American Heart Association, they want you to below 120 over 80. Yeah. If 120 to 129 is going to be considered hypertension. Now. Yeah. Or the bottom number when it's above between um, 80 or 90. It's also just called hypertension. Before, there was like the pre-hypertension where you mentioned, and then we're going to the stage, and now it's already just hypertension. Yeah, so we're, they're kind of like skipping the part. And it's probably because of all these like um, heart diseases that we're experiencing right. in the hospital, right? And that's good. I think that's a good idea because when you think of pre, like pre-diabetes or pre-hypertension, you think, oh, I still got to... I can still keep doing what I'm doing. Then when I get to hypertension or diabetes, then I'll 
go on medication and do some changes. So like, I feel like when you put pre and then the word, people are, are more like relaxed about it. It's not a big deal because it's only pre. So now they just set hypertension, that's it. I think that's gonna make people, you know, be more accountable for their actions. Yeah, but it's crazy because they skipped the whole 130s to 140s and now it's just 120 to 129. You're already like at a point of hypertension, exactly. which is crazy. But I understand that there's a lot of cardiovascular risks, but we're, we're gonna talk about all the risk factors and how to avoid high blood pressure based on everything we're eating and all lifestyle choices, right? Exactly, yeah, completely correct. You know, the best way to prevent something happening is prevention. You know, do the changes now instead of later. It's better, it's easier to change what you're doing now than suffer the consequences for like when you already have that issue. Yeah, so definitely if you're already in stage one, which is, let's just see, 130 to 139 um, systolic, you should definitely kind of get your butt in gear, start doing lifestyle factors that are going to be affecting it. Talk to your doctor to see what you could do um, based on your like condition or any kind of like disease um, process that you have, how to avoid it and how to cope with it properly. And definitely if you're reaching 140 plus and maybe you're real lazy or you didn't do anything, maybe you should temporarily go on a pill, right? Just to kind of help you lower the risks of what could occur if you avoid it. That's why, you know, hypertension is called that silent killer. So definitely talk to your doctor if it's already above the 140s um, because, yeah. What are like the risks, for example? Well, there's many risks. Before you do the risk, you wanna just go over the, all the stages and everything real sure. quick for them. So basically you're you're normal if you're less than, just like less than 120 and your dialysis talking about numbers less than 80. That's, that's your normal. You're probably happy with your life. You are happy where you're at. Um, you probably exercise daily or a couple of times a week. You smile like Peter 20 times a day. So I'm saying, got new glasses, you know, I feel home with, so much smarter now, but. Um, for people, do you think he looks like um, a Harry Potter? Probably. I I've think been, so, but. I've been told that I work. I'm just like, whatever, you know, new glasses, just jealous of my glasses. Like a magician, it. bro. So <laughs> anyways. Yeah, so if you're less than 120 over 80, you're probably have a good lifestyle. You're eating healthy, you're eating right. You're seeing your doctor, you know, every so often doing your physicals. Great, just keep doing what you're doing, you know. Once you get between 120 to 129 systolics and 60s, 80s, <clears throat> uh, your diastolics, um, that's considered already hypertension, you know, so you want to definitely start making lifestyle changes now So you don't hop on a pill your doctor most likely isn't going to give you any medication as long as it's, it's controlled You know 120 to 129 isn't really that bad or 60 to 80 is really isn't isn't that bad either, you know, but Definitely lifestyle changes. start working now start going to the gym a gym membership $20 a month is a lot Cheaper than you know going to the hospital later on going to ER room. that or even paying for um, what is it called pills from the pharmacy man right. but i feel like just sorry to cut you off is a lot of doctors are more they're less hesitant to give a pill because they they see the person they see that they're not going to make the change you know just like pushing a cholesterol pill they know they're not going to change your diet and they're at risk and they're licensed at risk so they're going to give a stand just like here like you can tell a person is not going to do the proper lifestyle modifications and they rather give a pill and those people are the ones that are okay with that they take the pill, they never change their lifestyle, and that's the problem. People that don't change their lifestyle, eventually it's gonna continue, your heart's gonna get shittier, or your blood pressure's gonna get worse, then you gotta take another extra pill, you gotta do this, and then let's just say your sugar's high, you gotta take another pill, and it's like this cascade of reactions because you're not putting in the work and you're not eliminating the things that are causing it in the first place. Yeah, yeah. good doctors won't throw you a pill the first day. Like when my dad came, um, he got diagnosed with hypertension, he was like mid-130s, um, he came into the office, he got diagnosed with hypertension, and, and they're like, hey, for this month, 
try to do lifestyle changes, stop smoking, stop doing this, stop doing that, eat healthier, and then we'll come back in a month, we'll reevaluate if you're still hypertensive, then we'll put you on a pill. What happened? It was 130. He's on the pill. He's, he's on, on the pill? Yeah, he's on L-Cinepril. l Okay, that's not so, that yeah. bad. Yeah, but still, like, he probably could have, you know, cut back his smoking. Did, a you, did you explain that to him? Yeah, but stubborn is, is a rock, you know? Okay, it's well, Polish hopefully. Parents. Yeah, I agree with that one. Yeah, so your first your hypertension is going to be uh, stalactics between 130, 139, and your diastolics 80 to 89. That's probably when doctor's going to put you on some kind of medication, ACE inhibitors, or something to bring your bring your pressure down. But like I said, they usually give, like, that a month to change your ways. If it doesn't work, then they're for sure going to put you on some kind of medication because that's liability. Right. You know, if you're going to the 130s and that's enough to have you to may throw you into a stroke, you know, that happens, then he's, he's liable. You know, if you're going to, if I'm going to go to him and be like, hey, you knew I was hypertensive, now I have a stroke, now I can't move my left side, what's your problem? Now we're going to sue you. So they're most likely going to give you some medication. And you also want to encourage lifestyle changes too. Right. Because you don't want to get added pills. You know, you, you don't want to live in a pharmacy right polypharmacy live in a a pharmacopoeia lifestyle where you just take pills for everything you know and then when stage two is probably the the really bad stage worst stage you get to besides like the crisis there's definitely something going on in your life yeah and then after that part i think hypertensive crisis is above 180 yes so uh, yeah above 180 and then systolic like 100 basically your body is it's called emergent hypertensive crisis usually these are the people that go into the hospital. Why? Because for one, you could get a stroke, um, risk for, um, let's see, a heart attack. You could get pulmonary edema because fluids will leak to your lungs because of overload. And you also got issues with um, kidneys, kidney damage. Um, your kidneys cannot take that much high blood pressure. Not only that, but your heart, um, we could probably discuss that, but it's going to enlarge, which is sounds like a good thing because when you work out, you want a you know, bigger muscle, but the heart is not good when it grows. You want to prevent that. And those are the people, um, there's guidelines for it. Like you want to decrease that blood pressure by 25% the first hour, right? And then you want um, you want to restore a normal blood pressure within 48 hours for those that are curious in the hospital. And they'll do things like labetadol, right? With metoprol, you got um, cardine, anything to lower it. So Yeah, so that's hypertensive crisis. That's a legit hospital emergency where you're going to go to the ER. And that's just all like above 180 or above and your dial is all like 120 or above. Um, of course, when we exercise, our blood pressure does get that high. And if you're exercising and your heart pressure is that high, I'd probably recommend just sitting down for like 15 minutes, relaxing, right. and then retaking. And if it's still this high, yeah, definitely emergency. You're in huge risk for stroke, huge risk for heart attack. You should definitely go to ER. Even if you call your doctor, he's gonna not going to send you for an appointment. He's going to send you straight to the ER. Yeah, just like um, dangerous. Like one of my neighbors, like she forgot to take pills. She's older yeah. and whatever, dementia, whatever it is, she forgot to take her pills and her blood pressure was in the 180s and she didn't feel right. She had a headache. She kind of was a little bit nauseous. And I'm like, listen, like, let's go see what's going on. Did you take your pill? She's like, no. I'm like, oh, I forgot. And then she had a little bit of chest pain, which is a risk too. And I was a little bit concerned that she might have had a heart attack. So, you know, usually uh, patients that had a heart attack before, they have that little tablet of nitroglycerin. Right. Um, for those that don't know, it's uh, like a little vasodilator. So it opens up your veins in the coronary arteries to prevent a heart attack. Not prevent it but to help the chest pain go away till you go to a hospital. Yeah. So I made her take one of those and it lowered it a little bit till she took the pills and she kind of felt, you know, better again. Yeah, so when your coronaries are, are like um, occluded, not 100% obviously, but like 15%, 20% or whatever number it is, the average diet would definitely help, you know, carry over to the hospital you know, or that's a good sign to see a doctor. If you have consistent chest pain that happens when you exercise or just throughout the day, it's definitely not a good sign. 
you know, occasional chest pains. Okay, I occasionally get occasionally get chest pain from you know like caffeine, caffeine, or after I do like chest day, I get like chest pain, but it's not really my heart. You know, you do chest day sometimes. You know, if it in, you know, I usually, I like doing leg day five days a week. Hit the chest once a week. At least you're not gonna have chicken legs, huh? <laughs> I know. Hopefully, we'll see. So, what are like the signs of like um, high blood pressure? Even though it's called the silent killer, because there's no way you can measure it. You really don't feel much till you're in that emergent and very stage two of hypertension. But like, there's still some cues that you could pick up on that you might have it. So, right, and people don't pick it up because they have been getting getting these signs for like the past couple years, and just something that happens to them. Like you know, when you say, "Um." My head, my head hurts, but you know that's been happening every every week for the past one year, you know, and then you just don't, you just, you just, it's just pottery now. Yeah, and you know, so what's also a thing is a lot of people that get older, they're like, well, oh, I've been having this back pain, or yeah, this is normal for me. Like people assume as they get older, they're gonna have these, and they just have to cope with it with pain, with you know specific things. Like no, like it's not, it's not normal for you to have chest pain. It's right. not normal for you to get constant headaches or blurry vision. Blurry vision, yeah. Like it, don't blame everything on age. Like there's exactly. something going on underlying that maybe you should seek medical advice. Yeah. So yeah, if you've been having headaches that have been happening more often than they usually do, some short, some breath, some chest pains that happen more often than than they used to, or some vision changes. You know, you go to an eye doctor like three times this uh, this month because your vision keeps changing. Or you start getting forgetful, or you don't you consistently forget where you put your keys, right. where you put certain, certain things that could all be attributed to a high blood pressure. Exactly. Yeah. And it's funny because funny my mom, a couple of months ago, she had something like this too, where she had an episode and she was um, getting her hair done. She just got like, started sweating a little bit, had some pain, got a mad headache, and like she felt like a, like a little loss of consciousness. She just was super fatigued. And she called me, and I'm like, Mom, like, you know, drink some water, sit down, like, check your sugar, maybe eat like some carbs, maybe your sugar's low. And then she went to go um, to the doctors just to make sure, you know, they checked blood work for troponin. They did like an EKG just to show, you know, what's going on. They did, I think they did an echo too, because uh, she's seen a cardiologist. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that her blood pressure was just really, really high. And she has probably issues with like, she has issues with coping with stress sometimes. So I feel like that was a huge, at, you know, attribute with everything else that was going on with the fam. So, you know, she's on a pill right now and she's working on her lifestyle modifications and hopefully yeah. in the future, maybe I'll touch base and maybe she'll get off what she's taking, which is a low sartan. Okay. So that's fair. Exactly. So with this happening with your mom, have you noticed any like risk factors in your life about them, about like her, with her blood pressures? Yeah. So the main one, which I noticed, well, stress is one, but definitely the main one is weight gain. So you know, we're having some family issues and she probably coped with it, not properly ate more and she gained a lot of weight. And for those, what is the statistic? I think for every single, um, for every single kilogram you lose, which is 2.2 pounds, mm-hmm. you, your blood pressure drops one milligram of mercury. Yep. So if you lose 20 pounds, your blood pressure will, will drop, or I'm sorry, if you lose 20 pounds, your blood pressure will drop 10 milligrams of mercury, according to the statistic. So that means you'll go from the 140s to the 130s average. So it's really important that weight weight has a lot to do with it. Yeah, and obviously if you're losing weight, you're probably exercising, you're probably eating healthier. So your blood pressure will probably drop even a little more than more than that 10, you know, you get 15 or 20 even off that, that 20 pounds. Right. Because you're already doing a healthy lifestyle and you're already losing weight, you know? So that's like the most, the risk factors that you can tr- control that affect your blood pressure, um, like you said, um, weight, nutrition, um, tobacco, alcohol use, if you smoke a lot or you drink a lot, that 
push your pressure up. Even though alcohol does drop your blood pressure um, for a short time, once you start drinking, it does raise it up, like you know, as the, as the night goes on, or you can just, especially for alcoholics. For you alcoholics, huh? <laughs> for, yeah, for you okay, alcoholics. Okay, sure. Probably a good idea to, to stop drinking. How do you want to categorize an alcoholic? Because <laughs> there's speculation that that one um, one serving of beer or some kind of alcohol does drop your blood pressure by a little bit, and it could be healthy at certain times. But you're not having that one beer. You know, you're having that those like five, those ten, and it's not it's not weekly. You're having like every day, and that's just gonna be it's gonna raise your blood pressure, and then it's gonna increase your cholesterol too. Exactly, because you know? unfortunately. For those that don't know, if you drink alcohol, your body just converts it into a simple sugar. Right. So you have an influx of sugar. Even though the risk factor of drinking, you get hypoglycemia. Your sugar drops temporarily, but over time, you're actually risking of having way too much sugar because of calories. And it could be a risk factor for getting diabetes with just too much alcohol. Exactly. Yeah. Um, also, physical activity is a big um, risk factor, too. You don't want to live a stagnant lifestyle because that's going to add weight. It's going to... Um, cascade out to other issues so like we said before 20 dollars a month for a gym is a lot less cheaper than paying those hospital bills later on you know or those medications even you don't want to pay 20 bucks a month for, for, to see the gym but then you're gonna pay 50 bucks a month on medication when you're when you're when you have hypertension yeah you know it's, it's easy thing to it's an easy thing to avoid you know and if a lot of people say time is that our excuse you know hey i don't have time i have a family i gotta do this i gotta do that like that walk somewhere for half an hour you don't tell me you can't say you don't have a half an hour a day a day for yourself it's ridiculous, you know, no matter how busy your life is. Yeah, I feel like we like to blame things and have excuses, just yeah. like, oh, I gained weight because this happened. No, because you have to realize what is your daily habit, like taking a walk five minutes every single day. Like that habit will incorporate for you being healthier, lower blood pressure, whatever, weight loss, whatever it is. Like people don't realize that the habits you do day to day affect you on a, exactly. a larger scale for the future. Like you just have to be aware like put that into perspective and do those little changes throughout the, you know throughout your day so it's a lot easier for you to attribute your own problems uh against somebody else because okay. then that doesn't hold you as accountable like you like to play the victim exactly play, play the victim so you're saying my husband um wants me to do this my wife wants me to do this so i can't go to the gym no no you, you can go to the gym you just don't want to go to the gym right it's your problem not somebody else's you know you could find 30 minutes you could find an hour you just you just got to find it it's i mean excuse. you know there's legit things that happen in life and let's just say you got to take a week off right you're working on things you have some court issues yeah. or yeah. like a couple of days ago my car randomly just shut off and you have to um you know take care of that but make it a habit you have seven days in a week how much time are you gonna um, put aside for the gym exactly. and you could squeeze it in like even like for us let's just say us you know where do we do we do nursing we take our gym i take my gym bag personally after work i worked a 12-hour shift at night i got off and i'll go in for 30 40 minute workout really quick right. sometimes i'll do like a 15 minute circuit and i'll go back home i'll shower i'll go to sleep like no excuses yeah. like i don't want to hear it it's really not that hard you know if you get out of work at four you got cook, cook dinner at six you know go from work to the gym yeah. you know half an hour i'm sure you could find time but there's also other risk factors that you cannot control like age um family history or genes you can't change your gene, genes but they're i think in china they could they're changing genes i forgot what the system knows, is called man i forgot the system was called like crew or something i don't know what it was called but. i mean epigenetics and study mm -hmm. of genomes it's all out there so i mean definitely as science is advancing we're learning ways to manipulate things exactly. i mean like um, Germans were cloning, you know, rabbits or whatever in the 1940s or who knows when already. Like right. imagine 2019, what the, you know, advancements in technology are. So exactly. maybe we're talking to aliens. Maybe. I mean, we have Elvis now. 
hold you over until transplant. But if your age if your age is above fifty five, you're naturally at a higher risk for hypertension. Um, if you're 55, 55 for men, and I think sixty five for women, it is. Mm-hmm. So we try to be a little bit more active. You know, take your grandkids out for a walk. If you have grandkids, take them out for a walk. Take them to the park. Pick them up from school. If you don't live far from school, just if it's like a fifteen minute walk, just walk to school, walk back. I know it's it's winter sometimes, or sometimes it's always winter somewhere. But during the warm warm months, take a walk to school from school. Your kids will enjoy it too. You get to see the leaves grow, change color. Yeah. And like naturally, as you get older, your blood pressure is higher, and that's one thing to consider. And sometimes, like maybe it might be in the one forties and one fifties. And a doc, like let's just say in the hospital, like sometimes I'll send a page. I'm like, hey man. This lady, she's 89 and her blood pressure is 150s or something. And they don't want to give anything because they know that your body just is old or, you know, more older, I guess, and can't cope with, you know, the mechanics of lowering it naturally. And they want to leave it like that. There's no need. It's The baseline is a lot higher. Come better us being healthy. It should be in the 120s and below or yeah. whatever the case might be. Yeah, something with like chronic kidney issues um, where they have like looks like a little bit of occlusions in their uh in their kidney like they're if they have poor uh, kidney can, uh, perfusion so they have a low blood flow to their kidneys they would want a little bit of elevator uh, elevator elevated just because mm-hmm. they want that blood to the kidneys because it's got to filter it you know so that's okay in certain 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 situations it's okay to little have elevated blood pressure like post stroke if it's ischemic you know you want to him a little higher like one of these 160 just so he gets that blood flow through there yeah but most if you're walking around with high blood pressure that's not good yeah um another one is so we talked about definitely weight loss right so weight loss is huge it lowers your blood pressure and then we touched upon um exercise that you should at least um exercise 30 minutes a day dude my flow just died right now i know i just heard that that's okay one of our cameras died so um we'll we'll, we'll keep talking though well yeah let's just finish this off um we have to fix that problem so definitely exercising um I think there's a statistic according to Mayo Clinic that if you exercise at least 30 times a, a day or multiple times a week, you have ability to lower your blood pressure at least five to eight times milligram of mercury, which is awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, but also you have to be consistent, you know, and exercise could be anything just like you said from, you know, walking, going for a jog, doing some Roomba class. I know my grandma got into Roomba, which is yeah. awesome. Um, you could do anything from cycling, jogging, swimming, like just anything that's cardiovascular. And if you want to take it a notch further, you could do strength training. Yeah, which build is, some muscle. Exactly, which is healthy. Um, so aim for strength training to be at least twice a week. Exactly, because when your muscles grow in your body, besides your heart, that's yeah. good. You look good, you, you feel better, and you're naturally less stressed because, hey, you know, I've been working out for three months. You know, I'm starting to see some abs. Maybe i got a two-pack going on, you know. Yeah. We should talk two-pack. about that. So why is it bad that the heart shouldn't get larger. Okay, so like Matt said before, when your muscles get bigger, you look good, you look healthy, you look stronger. But when your heart gets bigger, it, the chambers inside don't get bigger. So when your muscle gets bigger, it actually pushes down on chambers. So when your heart gets bigger, it makes your chambers smaller because the muscles got to grow somewhere and it's going to grow out and in. So naturally, as muscle gets bigger, it shrinks the chambers and it's yeah. harder to actually eject that blood. And you're right. ejecting, ejecting left blood with, the, with each right. beat. So because, and also because your blood pressure is so high, your muscles are taking a lot, it takes a lot more to squeeze to get the blood going because it's pushing against the resistance of the high blood pressure in those valves. Right. And what's what does your body do? It learns how to adapt. Just like working out, you're breaking that muscle down, it grows. Your muscle needs more power, it's gonna grow. But eventually that left ventricle, because the left ventricle pushes it throughout the whole body, it keeps squeezing and squeezing and growing. And eventually you're running out of freaking volume. You're not pushing as much blood, right? right. 
and you got to start going taking pills to help relax the muscles like help the um, heart squeeze better so they're just and one of those risk factors are hypertension so it's not just about healthy eating and exercising like there's a lot of complications that will catch up to you down the road and then you're gonna be like oh like you know what did i do to deserve this no it was your lifestyle over weeks days months years that led you to this exactly so don't play the victim i don't want to hear it exactly like once your heart grows once it starts you know, um, getting weaker and and, and um, not as strong as before, then it damages the rest of your organs. You're not getting enough blood to all your other, other organs. They start shutting down. Your kidneys are the first ones to go usually. And like back on to dieting and eating, um, um, poor well, eating. That's the third yeah. important thing. The third one. So poor eating is not only you're going to build fat, you're also most likely eating a lot of sodium. So when you put sodium in your body, um, it puts more volume of like water into your Because water your follows salt. Exactly. So if you eat more, eat poorly, you're gonna have more water and more volume in your blood is gonna make your heart pump a lot harder yeah. too, because it's gotta pump more blood now. So yeah, so let's for example, we did a once we like pizza. We're from Chicago. We like pizza. We like deep dish pizza. Yeah. So for example, we took one slice of Giordano's deep dish pizza um, that had what about 1,300 milligrams of sodium. 1300 1300 yeah though and your daily recommend dosage is what 2300 per day yeah so according to the fda which is the food and drug administration i think the average american on average eats about 3400 milligrams of sodium and the american guidelines the average you should be eating max is 2300 so what is that that's we're eating 1100 milligrams daily of sodium excessively yeah that's almost like twice as much as we should you know and it makes sense because what do we eat not only is it fast food, everything is processed, like on shelves, everything that's canned, those frozen dinners that taste really good, right. everything has sodium because when it preserves it, it tastes better than everything else. Exactly. And over time, it's just affecting us. And we have to, America has to wake up like, right. guys, like eating like this is tasteful. We're eating to, you know, to cope with our stress, but it's putting a toll on our life, man, and our longevity. And not only that, you're feeling bad about yourself mentally and physically because you're eating like this so yeah, and you eat a lot of sodium and you get more thirsty so you drink more water you know you don't feel like working out you know you get dehydrated your kidneys suffer it's all a giant cascade you know? yeah and i also do a lot of my chipotle so one chipotle bowl steak has about um 1600 milligrams of sodium and that's without the salsas or that's without like the the corn salsa and the tomato salsa right. so if you had toxins you're gonna eat more so and that's just one meal in your day exactly so if you had chipotle and a slice of pizza you're noon, really above exactly Yep. already above which is crazy and the key to like eating healthy and avoiding um, basically salt is eating whole foods meaning if it has one ingredient and it's from the ground it's probably good for you like carrot apple banana it has one ingredient stick to that if it's freaking crackers and which has like six seven eight different other ingredients it's probably bad for you so definitely right. whole foods which is fruits veggies um, beans minimally processed foods minimal um animal foods even though i like my eggs i don't know what the egg debate is right now nowadays in saturated fats but and then eating nuts that's like my baseline and you know um avoiding those sugary foods and sugars coke pop and just stick with water so you just gotta be a smart shopper you could you could make low-cost healthy meals you know it's not hard we've been cooking for a while we've been meal prepping for a while too um, myself not as much as I used to just because I'm you know, kind of slacking a little bit but man, it's okay prep- to admit it here I know. I'm live 
you know, but I swear I'll go back. I'll go back. Just give me like a month. I'll, I'll be good. You know, keep up on Peter's Instagram to see where he's at. Let's saying. see. Probably poor. No, but I'll, I'll get back into it. But Matt Meal Preps, and it's really not that expensive, right? If, as long as you smart, smart shop and, and smart, or as long as you shop smart and, you know, stay healthy. Yeah. For example, I'll go to Aldi and I'll buy like three pounds of, you know, lean chicken breast and I'll put in the slow cooker. And I try to buy like a taco seasoning packet that has maybe like 1800 milligrams, but that's like throughout the week that I'll eat that 1800 milligrams. Yeah. Uh, and I'll make like shredded chicken basically. I could add it to my salad. I could make tacos out of it. And I'll add it to little things throughout the day. So, and that's not an excuse. All I gotta do is like, let's just say I'm getting ready for work. I'll make broccoli or I'll make asparagus. And I have that chicken already ready to go. So, I mean, you just have to dedicate yourself and wanna change more than anything. Exactly. And you'll see the results. Just be consistent. Right. So. The hardest part is, is starting off, and then you're you're it gets easier as you do it more often because it just just um, blends into your routine. You know, so you naturally wake up, be like, oh, I gotta cook. You know. Yeah, but also like talking about a smart shopper, like you have to understand how to read labels, and I feel like unfortunately that the industry learns how to manipulate things and cheats us out of actually reading them properly. Mm-hmm. Like, just like you're drinking a Gatorade and it says it has. I don't know, 80 milligrams of sodium, but that's one serving. Serving size, 2.5. Hey, man, you're drinking above 200 milligrams of sodium without even realizing it because they decided to do serving sizes. And I wish there was like some kind of baseline or some kind of guidelines that pushed producers, right, to kind of have it the whole serving, what's the sodium? Like a pizza. Um, What is it? Like pizza is like, oh, one-sixth is a serving and that's 390 milligrams of sodium but the whole pizza is like freaking 2000 exactly i wish there was a thing of like hey this whole slice of pizza there's how much sodium but we they learn how to manipulate yeah because then they can do the math you know it's a lot easier to say hey i'll just have one slice but who only needs one slice of pizza right it's a sin so you want this pizza is it i don't know it's probably glutton it's probably it's a sin in chicago let's just say that (laughs) that's what i'm saying so after we exercise we have some weight loss we eat right the fourth one is to like me- um, is to um, what is it called? Minimize your minimize cope cutback with like stress because let's just say you have one event in your life and you it continues it becomes chronic and we're not realizing that because that's happening. GoPro or we have one camera, another camera. Shut off, guys. <laughs> Anyways, we're gonna finish off this podcast because yeah. this is just one of those days Sorry. for us, which is cool. Chronic stress. Um, what happens is the adrenal glands, because of chronic stress, are secreting adrenaline, right? Or yeah. is it epi? It's, I mean, adrenaline, and then, because you activate your sympathetic nervous system, yeah. and that, you know, releases adrenaline, which is, releases norepinephrine and epinephrine. Yeah, and stimulating our body, creating chronic stress. Like, you have to learn how to cope with that, because, for one, usually people that are um, eating bad or eating, yeah, let's just say this. People that are stressed, stressed out, they are going to, um, look at things to kind of like cope with it to escape it right in a way some people do drugs some people drink some people eat bad and pizza let's just say we're learning how to like have that little rush of happiness and dopamine and right. dealing with the stress but we're not really stopping the stress and it's just continuing and it's a cascade and sometimes you know we're just out of our bodies and we're weeks and days go on and we're like whoa like i'm still stressed out on this event like let's just say nursing school man this is two years yeah we i've realized how much people have gained weight like in nursing school let's just say why because it's just daily daily stress freshman 15 freshman 15 yeah you're just gaining weight you're not you're you don't know how to deal with it and you're just packing those pounds on so yeah i mean the best way to probably lower your stress is definitely to change your expectations um don't plan out too much for one day 
you know, plan your long-term goals, your short-term goals, um, make them actually achievable. Make sure actually the short-term goals are actually achievable in a, in a short term. Getting a six-pack in a month is probably not going to happen. That should probably be a month, like a long-term goal, like probably yeah. six months. Um, in a healthy way. In a healthy way, exactly. So definitely change expectations. Um, that's probably the main thing. And organize your time. You know, if you feel like you're chasing time every day, you're planning too much in your days, hey, how about you, you know, plan less than one day and spread it out for the week. You know, that's going to make things go a lot smoother. You're not going to feel rushed. You're going to have time to do everything that you wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and then the fifth one. So after all that, cut back on caffeine, which is, it's an interesting one. So we found a meta-analysis online. Um, and then basically, blood pressure and caffeine is debatable. So over 16 studies, and it was over 1,000 patients, um, they were given 410 milligrams of caffeine, which is about four cups a day. And it showed an increase from four milligrams of mercury, which is not much. Yeah. So caffeine doesn't directly correlate with increased you know, high blood pressure. But I feel like if you drink caffeine and you're an anxious person, a nervous person, that anxiety is going to boost your blood pressure. Right. It's, it's, if you're not coping with whatever's going on in your life and it's making you more anxious. Yeah. Caffeine will not be the sole purpose of your hypertension. You can't be like, oh, I have high blood pressure, so I'm going to cut back caffeine and I'm going to be fine. No, it's not how it works. It could be a co-contributor with when your blood pressure is like 164, you probably shouldn't be drinking coffee. No, that's going to make things a little worse. Um, so it's not, you can't solely attribute to your high blood pressure to, to coffee. And um, as the more coffee you drink, let's say you drink one cup a day and you've been drinking it for years, that's going to do less. Your body's going to get used to it. You know, so you're going to need more caffeine to get the same effect. So instead of going up four, now you've been drinking coffee for one cup of coffee for a year every day, it's probably only going to go up like two. Yeah. You know, and the coffee's not going to hit you as hard either. But, you know, as long as you don't keep, um, as long as you don't keep increasing the dose of caffeine, you should be fine. Yeah. And everything of too much is not good either. So it's good to go on like a little caffeine fast, which yeah. I'm probably due for one. We're drinking coffee now, but it's just like sometimes you're drinking way too much throughout the night, day. Like, let's just go into the gym. You want like a spike of caffeine too. And it's just like, whoa, our body is constantly stimulated. So definitely having a caffeine fast would be pretty interesting. Yeah, um, definitely. I don't know if I could do it. Yeah, I don't know. That would probably give me a headache. After caffeine, we already discussed alcohol. You definitely want to keep it to a minimum. If you're having a glass of wine, a beer, a shot, I don't know who, you know, comes home and has a shot You're but right. <laughs> whatever the, the you know the category of your drinking is that's okay you're doing okay but if you're coming home having two three beers then you're risking of having higher blood pressure and that could you know over time lead to um the different hypertension stages so right. definitely cut back a beer a day will not kill you but exactly but diabetes will. will diabetes will yeah i don't do we talk about diabetes um no but we the next one could be definitely cutting out sugar in your okay. life yeah, real quick. Yeah, for diabetes, someone has diabetes, they have hyperglycemia, high um, glucose content in their blood. So that affects blood pressure is um, it decreases the ability of your of your veins arteries to stretch. Um, so naturally, your body is gonna you know pump harder against them if they can't relax or, or get or stretch out. You know, um, another one is that it increases fluid volume, just like salt, um, glucose. You could say kind of thickens your blood. I wouldn't really say thickens, but. Um, it just pulls fluid, just even it out the ratio right. of, of uh, glucose in cell and, and, and out of the cell. So it's, you know, you're in, um, what is that, hemo, I don't know what it's, I forgot, hemostasis. Okay. You want to be in hemostasis, so you're about to even up the level of glucose in your body, your body's going to suck on the blood, you know. And it also changes the way insulin is used, you know, and that could damage your kidneys as well. Yeah, but so definitely sugar is toxic. And not only that, over time, eating sugar and 
you becoming diabetic or pre-diabetic, you're releasing in your body some something called the metabolic syndrome, which we could probably include a link for people to read. But it does things of increasing your blood pressure, increases insulin resistance, um, raises your cholesterol. Is there another one? Um, yeah, I'm not sure on top of my head though. And the triglycerides. So not only those that cascade is not only making you fatter, making you store more fat, which is leading to hypertension. It's also ruining the arteries, just like you said, and everything else. So it's like it's like a domino effect, man. Exactly. And sugar, unfortunately, that's another topic, but it's we're eating way too much in America as well. Exactly. Yeah. Even like a pop a day is already like past the limit, man. Yeah. So and unfortunate thing about bodies is if one organ's struggling, it's gonna make the whole body struggle. You know, if one organ's affected, it's gonna eventually affect all the other organs. True. Just to kind of wrap things up, so think about this. Um, one in one in three Americans in the world, or in America, I should say, one in three Americans have hypertension or pre-hypertensive. A one on three could be you. It's me, you, or somebody else. Right. So that's I mean, crazy. We don't have it, so one of you's got to have it. Exactly. So whoever's watching, go check your blood pressure right now. Exactly. But the thing is, is prevention is key to a lot of things. Not only is it going to help our healthcare system and you know, like healthcare is such a big freaking business and money's being poured into it. Like be responsible for your own health. A doctor's not in charge of your health. You are. Right. You know, take take a direct action to lower it if you have it. Or if you are if you're on medications, take steps you could change to lower the dosages and eventually get off them. Lifestyle modifications, right? Cut back on drinking, cut back on sugar, exercise, cut back on your stress, caffeine. Meditate. Meditate if you have to to kind of cope with your stress um, and exercise. Like do those things to you know to prevent the silent killer, which is hypertension. Exactly. You want to live longer, be healthy. Exactly. So don't be part of the statistic. Like learn how to have a higher, optimal life, health, and a better well-being, guys. Yep. Wrap it up. That's about it. I think we should wrap it up. And sorry, guys, for the cameras, man. Yeah, this is so unfortunate. This video might be a little bit different than the other ones because we had two cameras dying us, but, but it's okay. For those that are on video. Yeah. All right, All right, guys. We'll see you guys next week. Take care. See ya.